Well, can I share with you what my favorite part is? Okay, so every day when I come home, I have three little amazing children who right when I go into the front door and open it up, they are immediately attacking me. Slaps, hits, wrestling, sometimes biting. And it is amazing and it is exhausting, but it is the best part of my day. So much so that we just decided why not add a little fourth one to the, to the group. So Anna, my wife, is due in October. You know, while we have a little WrestleMania happening, we might as well just add another player in there. Um, but you know what my least favorite time of day is? Whenever I have to wait for anything, right? All you Long Islanders say what? Uh-huh. I mean, did anyone just share, you know, sometimes there's these special days that come around where I get to go to the Department of Motor Vehicles. <laughs> and I just wait all day. And the AC is always broken. Anyone who works there, we will pray for you. There's a special button on our website for you, and we will have nonstop intercession. But waiting, waiting, that's probably not the favorite part of our days when we're just waiting for something. And so today, I just wanna share with you what I know is on the heart of God for all of us, for me, something I'm in the midst of and wrestling through as well, and I believe all of us are. Holding the weight and not letting go. And I'm not talking about a weight as in something you carry in a gym. I'm talking about a weight as in waiting. See, we don't enjoy it. Oftentimes, it's in these moments we grow tired, weary, skeptical, lonely, insecure, uncertain, bitter. Have I said it yet? I'll continue. Faithless, critical, feel forgotten, overlooked, angry, fearful. It's okay, I think that's just like an AC thing spazzing out over there, just if you hear shaking and rattling, don't be nervous. Are you there? I know I am, just in the waiting. You know, along with my life, I'm discovering something. When I bend over to put my shoes on, I make noises like this. I just realized a couple weeks ago, like, man, I gotta do something about this. I've got that little group of people trying to attack me everywhere I go, so I've gotta be a little better in shape for that, so I'll just start working out again. I'll try to, once or twice a week, do something that makes me breathe like I need to and carry what I need to. So I've tried, and I'm trying, and I appreciate your encouragement. But this is something you'll know about being in any weight room. It's not about the item you are holding, the dumbbell, the medicine ball, the tension rope. It's not about that external thing. It's about what's happening inside of your body and your muscles. Something is being built inside of you while something's also being torn down. You know, in the waiting seasons of our life, we often find that these are moments that are frustrating, exhausting, difficult, painful, but they also can become moments where God builds inside of us. And that's my prayer for all of us today. So can we pray right now just to say, Lord, let us receive what you have for us. God, we thank you that you are faithful and you are good. You are trustworthy. Would you, Lord Jesus, show us and reveal to us today what you're building inside of us? 
May we not let go, but hold on to all that you are doing and want to do. Speak to our souls and our hearts. For some of us here, we're weary and we're tired and we're growing faint. But may we find our hope and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I do find myself in this place, in the midst of struggle and in a grapple with waiting, I like to peer back and take a note from the prophets of old. They would often address God's people in the same struggle. God's people constantly, the people of Israel, were waiting, wondering, desiring to see the fulfillment of God's promises. And so we see the prophets constantly speaking to them. And here's three main things that we can always see they're telling God's people. First, be in touch with what is happening within and around you. Be aware of what's happening inside of you and the circumstances that surround you. Second, let God remind you who he is and who you are. Putting God in the right place and understanding who he is and who you are. And thirdly, embracing and receiving what he wants to do in you. Receiving and embracing what he wants to do in you. There's no better passage that encapsulates all of this than Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25 through 31. We're gonna read that in just a moment, but I wanna just tell you a little bit of the context. God's people are waiting and wondering. They're discouraged. God, will you fulfill the promises? Will you send a deliverer? Lord, where are you? And they're waiting to see his covenant fulfilled. And right then, we jump into God addressing his people. I pray that as I read this, we're not just reading the text, but we're allowing the Holy Spirit through the word of God to read us. So who is like me, God says? Who holds a candle to me, says the holy? Look at the night skies. Who do you think made all of this? Who marches this army of stars out each night, counts them off, calls each by name? so magnificent, so powerful, and never overlooks a single one. Why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. He doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind those who wait upon the Lord. What does it actually mean to wait upon the Lord? Well, in Hebrew and in the context, this is what it means to wait, to look and patiently tarry, wait for, wait upon, wait on, to bind together, to hope on, to trust in, to tie yourself to, twist and stretch with attention to endure. 
twist and stretch with attention to endure. It doesn't sound boring, lazy, or inactive. Actually, it sounds extremely exhausting. And all God's people who are waiting said, mm-hmm. It's exhausting. It doesn't really sound like a doctor's waiting room, more like a wrestling ring. Now, I am not a wrestler. Like Pastor Mike Sinclair and Pastor Matt Pastor, these guys are like all-state wrestlers, okay? And I'll tell you what, I've seen them wrestle in my office, and it's not pretty, but it's very exciting. And they're just beasts. They understand, they did it. They're like all state, all county guys. Me, I'm just crazy. I'll bite you. I learned it from my kids. It works. <laughs> but here's the deal. If you know anything about wrestling, you, you realize that it is one of the most strenuous and intense sports you can play. It's two of you and both of you are giving every single bit of your body and muscle and tension into the fight at the exact same time. It's your full strength against their full strength. It's absolutely exhausting. See, oftentimes in this waiting, as something is being built inside of us, we find ourselves in a grapple and in a wrestle. But see, this shouldn't shock us. And this is what Isaiah is saying to the people of God. He cries out and says, oh, Jacob, oh, Israel. He's reminding them of their story and of all of our story. Our faith is birthed out of a people and more intimately, a family who waited and wrestled with God and his promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, whose name would later be changed to Israel. And the name Israel means wrestles and struggles with God. Now, I'm gonna blitz us through the Jacob story. Are you ready? Yes? Oh, that was not convincing at all. Okay, I'm gonna blitz us through the Jacob story. Are you ready? Yes. Put your imaginary seatbelt on. There it is, or this way. Whatever year you were born, that'll tell you. We're gonna blitz through the story because you're gonna see that Jacob lives a life maybe that reflects what many of us are in the season of. But there is a moment that he comes to a wrestle with God Almighty because what he is reaching for God's not gonna let him have until something takes place. Now, Jacob, his parents are Isaac and Rebekah. Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac is the son who received the blessing of the covenant and the promises of God out of that family and that lineage. Then Isaac marries Rebekah, and they have two sons, two twins, Esau and Jacob. Now, Jacob's name reflects literally how he was born. Esau was the first twin born, and as he comes out, Jacob is holding his heel, grabbing his heel. The name means supplanter. He comes out from literal birth, reaching and grabbing. Now, throughout his life, he wouldn't stop reaching and grabbing, looking for the things on the outside that he felt would bring him healing and wholeness on the inside, looking for those things he could have that would set his worth and his importance. Jacob goes decades of his life chasing, manipulating, deceiving, and swindling in desire to grab a blessing. Even his mother, Rebecca, 
She is given a word from God before she has the babies. And the word is, your younger son will rule over the older. But see, I think Rebecca does what many of us do. She doesn't see it happening. As she's waiting and observing, she doesn't see it taking place how she thinks it should. And so she tries to play God or move his hand. Have you ever done that or are you doing that? Uh, it's not working out how I thought. Maybe in your life or the life of someone else. And so you decide, I'm gonna try to play God. I'm gonna try to move his hand and it doesn't work well. But that's what we do. See, when we don't wait on or upon the Lord, we are left to waiting and striving in our own humanly broken way. Here's the things we do. Manipulation, deception, our own wit, our own strength, our own grit, our own power. We begin to compare, we begin to look at others, and even worse, worse of all, idolatry. Because we realize nothing's really happening here with you, God, and I'm, I'm, my eyes are kind of being directed another way. This item, this thing, this money, this person, this relationship, this position, whatever it is, this is the thing I need. This is the thing I'm beginning to hope and to trust in, to weigh upon, hold on to, and tie myself to. And we begin to worship something else. See, Jacob manipulates his brother Esau from his birthright. Esau comes in starving and famished. Jacob had just made a beautiful pot of stew. Esau says, can I have some? Jacob says, well, sell me your birthright. It's a dirty thing to do, taking advantage of someone. But see, when we feel we have to keep grabbing and fight for our own and get what we deserve, or God, you said this, but I'm not seeing it happen, so I'm gonna help you make this happen, we begin to do things that don't represent the heart of God. And so Esau starving gives up his birthright for a bowl of stew. Later on, Jacob deceives their father Isaac into giving him the family blessing, the blessing that was for the oldest son, the blessing where the covenant was and the inheritance and the promises of God through that line and lineage. Jacob deceives his aging and blind father to get that blessing. Obviously, Esau is ticked off says, I'm gonna kill my brother. Jacob flees. He runs from that place, that circumstance. But his pride, self-reliance, fear of missing out, entitlement, it goes with him. See, you can keep running from place to place, but understand this. If you don't allow God to deconstruct and remove what's on the inside, it'll keep going everywhere with you. Everywhere you go, every relationship you're in, every job you get, it's with you. So Jacob brings all those things with him. He gets married, has children, and he's living a prosperous life. If you would look from the outside of your life, you'd say, hey, he's, he's wealthy. He'd say, I think I'm doing pretty good. But all of a sudden, God tells Jacob, go back now to the land of your fathers and relatives, and I will be with you. Because Jacob knew, and God was reminding him, there is something more for you, and you have to go back. There is something waiting for you. Now, Jacob's still afraid. He's fearful of his brother. 
he still probably wants to kill me is what he's thinking. And so Jacob does maybe what we often do, gives a desperate and broken prayer unto God. God, I just wanna remind you. Hey God, I just wanna remind you, remember you said those promises and I'm gonna get them. I know the way I got them was a little, but I'm getting them, so just reminding you, don't let me die. You know, oftentimes I think we have to be convicted and that conviction is from the love of God and the desire he has for intimacy. See, prayer is not just all about the words we say. Sometimes we think I'm just saying all the words, all the words. It's about the posture of your heart. Jesus addressed that. You can use much words, but look at the one in the back who beats his chest and says, I am a sinner and I am unworthy. Forgive me, Father. There's something happening inside. But see, for Jacob, it was still just this external exchange. So he comes up with a witty plan, his own plan on how he could change his brother's heart, save his family, and save his wealth. God was simply just a distant promise dispenser. But what Jacob didn't know was that all of a sudden he would encounter God who is the covenant wrestler. My prayer is that we realize the desire that God wants to be with us, near us in the waiting. The band can actually come back up at this time. Jacob sends all his companions, family, and belongings ahead. But before he can finally take hold of what he's been reaching for his whole life, God stands in the way and the wrestle begins. See, Jacob, his entire life, reaching, what can solve this? What can I get to feel worthy? What can I get to receive this promise and this blessing? I need, I need. And that reaching and grabbing and snagging in his own power and his own strength. But all of a sudden, God is gonna stand in the way and say, the blessing that I have for you is much deeper than what you see around you. It's what I'm gonna do inside of you. And I love how the text in Genesis chapter 32, we just jump right into it. There's not this big buildup of, and then this happened and this happened. All you get is Jacob is by himself and a man shows up and they begin to wrestle. It's like real life. We don't get all these like foreshadowing moments in life, right? A lot of times, boom, it just happens and we find ourselves in a circumstance or in a place or in a situation or in a feeling. So here it is. The man saw that he couldn't get the best of Jacob as they wrestled. So he deliberately threw Jacob's hip out of joint. Now let me just tell you, the prophet Hosea later on says that it was an angel of the Lord who wrestled Jacob. Jacob further down says he saw the face of God and he wrestled God. Whether you believe it was an angel of the Lord or God, it doesn't negate what's happening here. The message is still the same. God's presence is invading Jacob and Jacob is having to wrestle with God. But he's gritty. He won't give up. I guess I can make it contextual for us. He's a Long Island New Yorker. You're gonna push me, I ain't going down. You're gonna yell at me, I'm gonna dig deeper. That's what we do. He wasn't giving up. And all of a sudden now, God's hand throws Jacob's hip out of joint. Anyone in here knows, if your hip's out of joint now, you have no strength, especially in a wrestling match. 
All your power and strength comes from your core and your hips. And so now Jacob, the one strong and witty, just had the next best idea to get himself out of something and get himself into something, is now on the ground, unable to move his legs, and he's just gripping and holding on. And the man says, let me go. And Jacob says, I'm not gonna let you go. I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me. He wouldn't let go. He's now broken, humbled, See, in the waiting, it's moments where God stands in the way and he's reminding us, this is who I am and this is who you are. But this is what I want to do in you. But it's not always easy. The man said, what's your name? And he answered, Jacob. The man said, but no longer. Your name is no longer Jacob. From now on, it's Israel, God wrestler. You've wrestled with God and you've come through. Jacob asked, and what's your name? The man said, why do you want to know my name? And then right then and there, he blessed him. Jacob named the place Peniel, God's face, because he said, I saw God face to face and lived to tell the story. The sun came up as he left Peniel, limping because of his hip. He left, limping. There was evidence of the struggle and of the wrestle as he was waiting. Something happened inside of him. Listen, the beautiful thing about who our God is is he's up close and personal. He's the God of a family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not men or women who did anything perfect, but they just wouldn't let go. Don't let go. Earlier, This morning, I felt so strongly just the picture of so many of us, God's children, starting to let go. Letting go of the promises of God, the miracles of God, the dreams he gave you, or just his presence and community. Whatever you feel, you feel that grip just letting go and you're beginning to drift. You're beginning to look to other things. Your eyes are beginning to wander and your heart's beginning to long for other things. And I'm encouraging you by the power of the Holy Spirit, don't let go because God is building something inside of you in this waiting. Something is happening that you can't see. See Jacob, the God wrestler now, walking away as Israel. He would have a limp and he would be broken. But out of that, he would find his strength and his people's destiny because it wasn't just about receiving the promise, snagging the blessing, earning the covenant. It wasn't simply about that. It was deeper. It was the giver of the promise, the provider of the blessing, the one, the one whom he was in covenant with. When something gets personal, it becomes internal. This type of holy waiting produces and builds things in you and in me. And you can only give out of you what has been produced inside of you. See, out of this wrestle and this moment of surrender, Jacob walks into a blessing, but I guess in one sense you could say the blessing was now in him because out of and from this God wrestler's lineage would come the promise and the covenant, the blessing 
himself. Can we stand up? See, out of Jacob's lineage would come one who was born in the town of Bethlehem, refugee in the land of Egypt, raised in the city of Nazareth. He would actively wait for 30 years on this earth, not letting go of his heavenly father's will. He would take on the human struggle. He would embrace the limp of humanity and he would wrestle with sin and death. He would rise on the third day from the grave and declare the truth. The curse has been broken. A new covenant has been given and the eternal promise has been released that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. His name is Jesus. He is the Christ. He is Lord and he is God and he is wrestling with you because he took that struggle on with you and with me. So my question is, what is God building and doing in you as you wait upon him? What is being released inside of you and built in you that you have no idea of? But that this world and your family and your marriage and your children and your friends and the stranger on the street you walk by every day, they need what's happening and being built inside of you. So will you just keep holding on a little longer and not let go? People of God, we are meant to be God wrestlers. And sometimes it looks messy and sometimes it's painful and it is hard. But all I can say to you, fellow pilgrim, fellow wrestler, don't let go. Keep on holding on. Hold him. Don't keep reaching and grasping for the things you can attain, the positions and the titles, the kingdoms you can build. Hold on to Jesus as he is holding on to you and you watch what he is building and putting inside of you that this world and generations so desperately need. Jesus, we reach to you knowing you already are reaching to us. We take hold of you knowing you already are taking hold of us. May we allow you to build in us that you might receive the glory and the world might see you in our waiting and in our struggle. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.